<laughs> oh my goodness. If you don't know me, my name is Tyler, and uh, I have the fabulous uh, job and opportunity of being the student pastor here at Abundant Life. Um, I oversee a bunch of other things. Uh, I don't some I don't know. It's okay. We'll figure those out later. But uh, yeah, I'm so excited to be with you guys this morning. And we're going to continue our, our sermon series on the idea of potential. Uh, it's a topic that you guys all asked for uh, back at Easter when we uh, sent out our Easter survey. Uh, we just finished a sermon series on one of the topics and talking about the end times and revelation. And then the second one was this idea of potential. So we've been on a journey together here the past few weeks. Uh, and throughout this study, we have covered a couple talking points on how to better discover our potential, examine what's within us, and become good stewards of what God has gifted to us. Uh, our key verses throughout this series has been found in Matthew chapter 25, uh, verses 14 through 30. And uh, we're going to continue reading uh, this story and uh, see what we can learn from it. So Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. Uh, if you've brought a Bible with you this morning, uh, absolutely fantastic. If you have a smartphone, uh, download the Bible app. It is a very helpful tool. And for those of you that don't have a Bible, don't have a smartphone, you're still in luck. Uh, we have it up on the screen behind me. And it reads like this, Matthew 25, 14 through 30. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey. Everybody say journey. Who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. And then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Uh, uh, brought the other five. Master, he said, he, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. And his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things, and I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also uh, came. Master, he said, he entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things, and I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, this, this gets brutal. PG-13 for a second, okay? So bear with me. You wicked, lazy servant. Everybody say, ouch. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever uh, uh, has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where they will be a weeping and gnashing of teeth. Yikes. This is an intense parable. This morning we're going to continue uh, our sermon series on this topic of potential. What is it? How do we reach it? What does it look like? What does it feel like? 
Um, and so we're, we're going to kind of dive right into this idea of, you know, how can we get better when all of life throws itself at us? So the title of my message this morning is this. You guys ready? Hold on. It's really, really complicated. It's, it's wild. It's really wordy and lengthy. Get better. That's it. That's all I got for you. All right, let's pray. Let's go. Where are we going to lunch? Get better. How many of you can honestly say, I want to get better? You can raise your hand for this one. We can participate this morning. Everybody's hand didn't go up. I'm concerned. Who all in here wants to get better? Hold them up. I'm not done. Okay. Just checking. I don't know about you, but I want to get better. I don't want to get better in just a few areas of life. I want to get better in all areas of life. I don't want to just put my best foot forward in, a, in some areas. I want to put my best foot forward in all areas. I want to get better. How many of you want to get better at marriage? For those of you single, like, well, one day. We're, we'll get there, okay? Don't jump ahead. You know, don't jump ahead. How many of you want to get better with your finances? Hello, Financial Peace University, attendant next semester. I think we're going to be doing it again, right? Perfect. Yep, we are. Awesome. So how many of you want to get better at following Jesus? Oh my goodness. Now every hand should have just went up in this place. How many of you actually want to get better at reading the Bible? Let's get, <laughs> how many of you want to get better at praying? How many of you want to get better at getting better? <laughs> like, yeah, I, that, that's me. I want to get better at getting better. Well, I am going to drive home one idea with you this morning, and it's going to become so annoying. You're going to be ready to get out of this place. We, I promise you we will be gone by 2 p.m. Done. Okay? Uh, but this idea is I want to get better. I think that we should all strive to get better. Thank you. Praise the Lord. We can move on now. So here we go. Get better. Turn your neighbor and say, let's get better. Turn to your second choice and say, let's get better. <laughs> this morning, we're going to dive right into a, a story and take a look at two men that didn't allow their momentary circumstances to dictate their potential, but rather see how they became better and stronger because of it. Acts chapter 16, uh, verses 16 through 34. This is kind of lengthy, but, you know, we came to church to learn something, so I hope you're okay with that. But we're going to take a look at this story. Paul and Silas in prison, Acts 16. If you have your Bible, turn it. If you have an app, open it. If not, it's okay. It's on screen behind me. So once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. Everybody say spooky. Spooky. That baby is going to get better, I promise. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul, watch this, Paul became so annoyed. This is called a holy hush-up, right, right here. He became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit left her 
And when uh, her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. Of course they did. And the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. Everybody say, about midnight. This is the only time it is acceptable to be with your friends after midnight. I always tell our students this. After five and a half years of being in youth ministry, I've learned one thing. Nothing good ever happens after midnight. Nothing. So this is the only time right here. So after about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake, and the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. And the jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in the house. At the hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all of his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. Will you guys bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Jesus, God, I pray that you would do, God, what I can't do here in this moment. Jesus, I pray that as we have just opened up your word and acts, Jesus, I pray that this story would come to life. God, I pray that we would all realize that uh, the things that we might be going through in life may be there for a reason, may be there to stretch us, allow us to discover our potential in the moment. Lord, it's in your holy and precious name we pray. Everybody said, Come on, everybody said, yeah. amen. My big idea this morning is this, is that your potential is not limited by your situation. Your potential becomes limited by your attitude and your perspective. I want to read that again. Your potential, if you're taking notes, note takers are perfect, perfect. Your potential is not limited by your situation. Your potential becomes limited by your attitude and your perspective. So potential, what is it? How do we reach it? How do we achieve it? What does it actually look like? I think it's a very loaded word. I think that it has a lot of different meanings. I think that every one of us probably interpret the term uh, potential a little bit differently than uh, the person sitting next to you. But uh, Webster's Dictionary provides a few definitions. And we're going to take a look at that. Potential seen as an adjective suggests this. Existing impossibility. Existing in possibility, capable of development into actuality. Potential seen as a noun, it says it's something that can develop or become actual. Webster's goes on to say this, potential can be either good or bad. Studying hard increases the potential for success, but wet roads increase the potential for accidents. But when a person or thing, watch this, has potential, we always expect something good from it in the future. As an adjective, 
as a, in potential losses or potential benefits. Potential usually means simply possible. Potential usually means simply possible. Turn your neighbor and say possible. I want to encourage you this morning. Your potential is possible. Your situation is possible. Your circumstance is possible. Your season is possible. Your diagnosis is possible. Your sickness is possible. Your addictions is possible. Everything that you might find yourself in is possible. But it's how we respond in that moment determines whether or not it will be made possible. It's all about our response in the moment. Matthew chapter 19, verse 26 reads like this. Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. Now, a lot of us can say, I, I, well, okay, yeah, you can stand up on that stage and say all those things, but you don't know what I'm going through. You're right, I don't, but I know that I've been through a lot too. And I know that life is really, really tough and it's gonna throw a lot of stuff at us. But Matthew 19 Verse 26, 26 reads like this. With man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Take God out of the equation, it's not possible. Put God in the equation, it is possible. With you, it's impossible. With God, it's all possible. So if you just simply add Jesus, add God, add the Holy Spirit to your situation, what happens? It becomes possible. And I think that's a lot of uh, what happens in life is that we get so tripped up with actually what's going on. We get confused. We get, uh, uh, we get uh, like a lens that comes over our eyes and, and we become distracted ultimately of what we just ultimately, where we need to turn to. And that's Jesus. That's God. The enemy, the enemy allow, like, no, it doesn't allow. Okay. Uh, the enemy, like, does a really good job of trying to get us really down and out so that we are distracted from what we need to tap into. Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit. What may seem impossible to us is possible with God. The season you are in, church, is for a purpose. It's not by accident. With Jesus. Let me rephrase that. The season you are in with Jesus in your heart, Lord over your life, is for a reason. That that is the only one. As hard as life may seem sometimes, we have to realize that it's all for a reason. Let's get better at discovering that reason. Let's get better at finding the good in the season. With God, all things are possible. Let's get better at holding on to the promises of the Lord in these seasons. Jeremiah 29, 11 reads like this. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope. And a future. Jesus is not against you, church. He's for you. He is making your paths straight. He is a way maker. I think a common mistake when considering the, the, the term, the word potential, is that it's kind of like this far off object that we can just tangibly hold and grasp a hold, of, like touch one day. We think of this idea that potential is like, Oh, one day, 
I will step into my potential. No, you don't just wake up one day and say, wow, I've reached my potential. I'm good. That's it. I'm done. What you want to do? You want to go to the beach? I'm good. I have reached, I have gone as far as I can possibly go. I'm done. Zip. Duda. Oh, how we are so mistaken, man. Potential is not something that we can reach out and grasp a hold of. Potential is growing on the inside of us through every season, through every valley, through every tough moment, through every tragedy, through every sickness, through every diagnosis. We have to understand something, that potential is not something that can be achieved, it's grown. You don't just one day and achieve potential. It grows. We are human beings. Day in and day out, we are growing. We are getting better. We are discovering. We are stretching our capacity to lead in this season and in the next. I believe that potential is something that is grown, not achieved. Every season, circumstance, situation, tough conversation, career change, tragedy, mountaintop and valley we may encounter in life is continually shaping, stretching, and growing our potential. Everything happens for a reason. Sometimes we will have the privilege to understand that. But sometimes we just got to get better at trusting God. Potential, church, is existing in possibility. Your potential is not limited by your situation. Your potential becomes limited by your attitude and your perspective. So this morning I would like to give you guys a couple tips. A couple tips on, uh, I, I kind of wrote this down, uh, how to sing and pray in prison. Uh, I, I'll have to be honest with you. I've never been to prison. I, we did just adopt a cat, so we'll see. But no, I'm just kidding. I love that cat. It's a great cat. Uh, I've got a bad history there, but we won't get into all that. We're live streaming right now. We are live. We cannot share that information. But uh, I've redeemed myself. I've brought a kitty cat home, and uh, all is well in the Neves home. And uh, until, everybody say until, until. No, I'm just kidding. Louis adores this little thing, and it's great. It's fun. I still think, though, all dogs go to heaven and cats. Well, I, I can't answer or finish that sentence. Just saying. <laughs> I believe that we can all agree on one thing, and that is that at least at some point in our lives, we, cre we have created a metaphorical prison. We have built up walls around us. We've isolated ourselves. We've... And a lot of that has been because of maybe a tough season in life, maybe rejection, uh, maybe a tragedy, maybe sickness, you know, you kind of fill in the blank. I hope that this will encourage you this morning. I want you guys to write this down. Tip number one, it's not where you are, it's who you are. Character is everything, man. It's not where you are, it's who you are. Character is everything. What would have happened if Paul and Silas would have would have allowed that moment they were in to get the best of them? I think about that often, man. How many times do I allow a moment to get the best of me? Now here recently, it's happened a lot because I don't know who decided to make all of the busiest highway to be able to get everywhere here in this town. So full of construction, little orange cones. I don't understand those cones, okay? You're telling me to go this way and all of a sudden, whoop, go left and then go back right. I don't understand it, okay? So... Sometimes in the car, when I'm by myself, 
I can't finish that sentence. But anyways, or the common one, I hate to say it, but, you know, McDonald's isn't getting any better. I keep get providing grace, but it's just not like it's just not rewarding at all. The fillet of fish. However, my sister-in-law did text me the other day, and she all she said is McRib. Okay, I love the McRib. It's bad. I'm probably go, babe. I'm going there after service today. I'm going to get a McRib. Anybody want to join me? I'll buy you one. Okay. Uh, I love McDonald's McRibs. They're, they're, it's like oh, okay. I know a lot of you are like, ew, gross. Get better at your health. Yeah, I know. Okay, back off. Whatever. Oh, man, you know what a new one is? It really will just get your blood boiling is Starbucks and Newberg, man. I don't know what has happened. They were so good. Oh, they were so good. But it's okay. Everybody that works at Starbucks and Newberg, I love you. Uh, there's, there, there are better days ahead, and um, it's going to be great. Um, yeah, but anyways, how many of you have been uh, guilty of a moment where the moment has gotten the best of you? A lot of people get in the habit, though, of blaming others or their location for their lack of motivation, sense of drive and pursuit, and simply getting better. Can I share something with you? The grass isn't greener on the other side. It's green where you water it. So instead of focusing on, oh, I'll water it one day, why don't you water it today? You're not going to simply wake up one day and reach your potential. Your potential is being grown day in and day out. It's not where you are, it's who you are. Character counts. Character is everything. You're not going to just wake up one day. Oh my gosh. This is it. I found it. It's grown day in and day out. Instead of procrastinating, by the way, we're going to have a procrastinators meeting later after service today. It probably will be canceled, but it's okay. It will eventually meet. Don't say I'm going to water it tomorrow when you could water it today. Don't say I'm going to get better tomorrow when you could get better today. Don't worry. Don't say I'm going to grow my potential one day. Why don't you grow your potential today? Let's get better today. Turn to your neighbor and say, let's get better. Why? Because the jailer would have never come to know the truth about Jesus. That's what we have to take into consideration right here. Paul and Silas maximized the moment by remembering that Jesus was for them, not against them. Their hope in him brought forth praise in the moment. What happens is is that when we lose sight in these moments that get the best of us, we lose hope. A lot of us get really uptight and like start complaining about the season or the, the moment that we're in and this kind of stuff, but half of us weren't beaten and flogged before that. And at about midnight, probably when pain had set in its highest capacity, man, what did they do? They started singing and praising to God. A lot of us are just like get distracted with this idea of opposition. Sorry, I jumped way too far ahead. I was getting ahead of myself. I don't know what happened. How we respond in tough seasons, either negatively or positively, affects people's outlook on life. It either increases or decreases their potential. You never know what kind of impact you are making, even in the toughest of seasons. 
church, I don't want the moment to get the best of me. I want to give my best in the moment. Every, I want, I want to be so present, man. I want to be present. I don't want to allow what I'm going through to determine who I'm going to be. Rather, I want who I am to be found in the moment. Unwavering, steadfast, a Christ follower. I put him first. It doesn't matter what I'm going through. I know that he is for me. He's not against me. I know that he has plans for my life. I think that Paul and Silas maximized those thoughts. Number two, turn to your neighbor and say, put your head down. Now don't put your head down like, oh God, so terrible. As Pastor Troy would say in the Molly Grubs. I learned a lot from my dad growing up. I still learn from him day in and day out. But this is one of them that he taught me. Put your head down, son. And he typically always would say that when a ball just went through between my legs playing shortstop uh, during uh, infield practice. Put your head down, son. Get after it. Block that ball. I think a lot of us, we get so... intimidated by the seasons that we're in that we lack the courage to be able to say, I'm going to put my head down. I'm going to get my hands dirty. I'm going to pray harder than I have ever before. And I am going to get better. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verses nine through 10. It reads like this. This is Paul writing, but he said to me this further on in the story, he says, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults and hardships, in persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Christina, could you come and make it sound like we're in heaven? There's a lot of pressure on you right now, okay? We all know what heaven sounds like up here, so let's see if she can match it. I'm sure it'll be great, though. It's going to be good. Church, the enemy wants to steal your potential. He knows that he can't take you out, so he's going to do everything in his power to wear you out. If you have the blood of Jesus over you, if you believe with all of your heart in him that he died on that cross for you, the enemy knows that he cannot take you out. He can't, he's not allowed to. But man, he can try with all of his power and all of his might to wear you out. Put your head down. Get after it, get better. We have to remember this, opposition isn't always a bad thing. What are you talking about? Talking about the season that I'm in isn't bad? Yeah, it's bad, it might be tough. If you have Jesus in your heart, man, hear me for a second. Opposition isn't always a bad thing. When following Jesus, opposition is always an indicator that something great is about to happen. A reality that I hope a lot of us can accept is this, and it's this. 
we tell our students during youth nights all the time, you may be in here and you might not believe in Jesus. I want you to know that that is okay because I believe Jesus believes in you. Jesus believes in you. If he believes in you, then that means the enemy is scared of you. He's scared of you recognizing the moment that you have the capacity, you have the possibility to be all that God needs you to be. And that is someone, man, that when all of life has thrown itself at you, can just stand for a moment, lift your hands, sing praises unto him, and give him thanks. I think that is the most intimidating thing to the enemy ever. We see it with Job. Job, man, he messed Satan up. Job went through awful things, man. But he kept his head down. Life is going to throw you some curveballs. Astro fans, anybody out there? Okay. Anybody watch the game last night? No? Okay, perfect. Moving on. Life is going to throw you some curveballs. But it's how you respond that determines whether you're going to knock it out of the park or whiff out. I don't want to look back on my life and be reminded of all the times that I whiffed out. I want to look back and be reminded of all the times I put my head down, got my hands dirty, kept on pushing, kept praying, and got better. I want to be resilient. Because oftentimes the people who are growing their potential and they're resilient. I'll be honest with you. 2019 has been a very tough year for me, personally. Seen a lot of things go on, happen within our immediate family. Too much to get into, but one I wanna share is this, and I have his permission. Some of you know this, some of you may not. My dad, probably two months ago, uh, was diagnosed with something called white matter disease. I remember like it was just yesterday. It was only a few months ago, but my mom called me and she was in tears. She said, I don't know what to do. I was like, what are you talking about, mom? She's like, well, your dad had me take him to the doctor this morning um, because he just said he wasn't feeling right. And uh, my dad is the type of person that, you know, he's not gonna go to the doctor unless he's physically not breathing kind of person, okay? And uh, so he goes to the doctor and they run a bunch of tests and they determine that he has white matter disease. They also determine that he has an enlarged heart. Also determined that his iron count in his blood is through the roof, close to 1800, where it's supposed to sit around 200. So that means the white matter disease has been caused from a lack of oxygen to the brain because of how toxic his blood had become through the iron. He then was said and shared in the doctor's office that uh, he couldn't feel parts of the left side of his body, his arm, his leg. And that's because the doctor says white matter disease triggers autoimmunity. And one of the most common ones that at first attacks is the central nervous system, which causes MS. That's not fun news. The next day he went back for some more tests and that kind of stuff. And then 
they go to uh, Church of the Highlands in Alabama. Uh, th- this church has many locations, and one of the locations is right near their new house in Gadsden, Alabama. And uh, it just so happens that day, or that the, the, like a, a couple days later, they were going to begin uh, 21 days of prayer and fasting. And so the church was opening its doors from 6 a.m. to about 7 a.m. every morning to come in and pray and uh, this kind of stuff. And they would all encourage one another in the fast and this kind of stuff. For the next 21 days, my dad showed up the church and uh, he prayed, he fasted, and he, and he took communion for 21 days. I also texted a, a number of people that uh, I really, really trust and look up to and um, to, hey, will you please partner in prayer with me? 21 days later, through different, a change in diet, uh, a change in a lifestyle, prayer, fasting, communion, and a bunch of people praying for him, he went back to the doctor and essentially his iron count was at 1,400, now it's at 300. They determined, hey, we, we diagnosed you with an enlarged heart your heart's perfectly fine. It's normal. The MS is still present, but he's taking the right steps. He's changed his diet. He has a gym membership now. And he's getting after it, man. He's putting his head down. He didn't allow the moment to get the best of him. He gave his best in the moment. I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know what season you're in. I don't know what you may be going through. All I know is this, Jesus is for you. He's not against you. He is a way maker. He is in the healing business this morning. Don't allow what you go through to limit how far you can go. Don't hang your hat on it. Don't say, this is it. This wasn't Paul and Silas's final destination. This was just a stop sign. They said, I've got a long ways to go. That is not gonna stop me. They were beaten and they were flogged, but they bounced back. They didn't settle for less because it required more. They put their head down, got better, stretched their capacity, grew their potential and watched some people get saved because of it. I don't know about you, church, but I want to get better. Just because we encounter a stop sign along our journey doesn't mean that we can't pull forward. Let's push forward, church. Let's push forward out of the seasons. Let's push forward out of the diagnosis. Let's push forward out beyond whatever we may be going through. Jeremiah 29, 11, man. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. So next time that you find yourself, per se, in a metaphorical prison, a tough season, a low valley, remember, character counts. It's not about where you are, it's about who you are. And two, put your head down. Accept that this isn't your end all. This isn't where you're going to hang your hat. This is just a season for a reason. Find the reason. Let's get better. Let's keep pushing. Let's show the world. I think a lot of people are 
I think a lot of people are fearful maybe of following Jesus because it's how they've seen people who follow Jesus live their life. I will be the first person to say this to anybody who asks me. Following Jesus isn't about getting out of a trial free card, getting out of a tough season free card, getting out of a storm free card, getting out of the midst of a fire free card. No, it just simply means this. Following Jesus means Jesus is in the storm with me. He's in the fire with me. He's in the tough season with me. He's in the desert. He's in the low valleys. And he's also on the mountaintops. It means this, that when all of life throws itself at me, I know that I don't have to do it alone. I can simply press in and say, Jesus, I need you. Please remind me of the hope. Remind me of the future. And I believe this, he will remind you daily of the promises that he has a plan for you, church. Some of you in here are going through some stuff that is unimaginable. Everyone has a different story. It might seem impossible to you, but everything is possible with God. Your potential is not something that you will one day receive. Your potential is being built strengthened, growing inside of you right here in this very moment. Stand with me. I want to pray over you guys. I hope that this message has encouraged you today. I hope that all of you, man, would keep on pushing forward, keep on pressing in. Discover all that God has for you. I believe that it is very very, very large, beyond our wildest dreams. Bow your heads, close your eyes. I would love to pray with you this morning. But Jesus, I pray right now, Lord, over every person that is in the sound of my voice. Jesus, I pray that no matter what season they may be in, God, no matter what diagnosis they're facing, no matter what sickness or tragedy they have found out about, Jesus, I pray right in this very moment, Lord, you would remind them that you are for them and that you are not against them. There's still a lot of life ahead. And God, I pray day in and day out, we would continue to grow in all that you have for us. Lord, it's in your holy and precious name that we pray. And everybody said,